Disney's media empire has become the battleground for a public fight between two very famous people. Plus, we'll check in with David Tepper, Bowl Games, and the world of darts. Yes, you heard correctly. Later, we'll hear from Andrew Brandt, who has a really interesting take on the whole Russell Wilson situation. It's Thursday, January 4th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers has been a regular guest on the Pat McAfee show. And on Tuesday, Rodgers implied that late night host Jimmy Kimmel had a connection to the disgraced and deceased Jeffrey Epstein. McAfee has since apologized for airing the clip, while Kimmel has threatened legal action against Rodgers. Kimmel's show is on ABC. McAfee's is on ESPN. Both are owned by Disney. Joining me now to discuss is front office sports senior writer Mike McCarthy. Welcome, Mike. Glad to be here. Uh, Great to have you to untangle this mess here. What does it mean for Disney to have these two feuding publicly? Well, this is like Mickey and Minnie Mouse slugging it out. Uh, (laughs) You know, you've got a possible fight here between ABC Broadcast Network and Jimmy Kimmel Live versus ESPN and the Pat McAfee Show, Uh, which makes it even dicier and more of a tabloid story is they're two of the highest paid talents within the mouse house. They both uh, make an estimated $15 million a year. Uh, And now no company likes to have their own employees backbiting and snarling each other, but ESPN and Disney is particularly strict about that. So I I think it's very worrisome for them, you know, to have, you know, these two talents uh, get embroiled in this kind of thing. And right, and of course, Rogers is not an employee of Disney, but he's meant a lot to to McAfee and to that network. So, uh, what's the future there for you know Rogers and his? Will will we be seeing him on McAfee going forward? It's it's really a great question because you know Rogers, of course, is not an employee of uh, ESPN, and he's not an employee of Disney. Disney, but he does get paid by McAfee's production company to do his weekly appearances. So he does have some skin in the game here. Uh, You know, the question is, you know, will Jimmy Kimmel go to Bob Iger, who's the head of Disney, and Jimmy Pitaro, who's the head of ESPN, and say, look, I don't want this guy on Roger's show anymore. And then the the ball gets kicked over to McAfee. Would he accept that, since the Rogers interviews are such a big part of his appeal? Or would ESPN, his bosses, accept that? Uh, I, I think right now, McAfee is taking the right approach. If you watched his show today, he was trying to dial the temperature down, Owen. He apologized for his show's role in escalating this feud, and he hopes they settle it like gentlemen and everything will be fine. So I I think that's the plan right now. They've got their fingers crossed. They just want to get it to football on the weekend and hope this uh, whole story blows away. Yeah, I mean – I think if it was all within the company, then they would all work it out. I think the wild card here, as he so often is, is Rogers, because he's not someone who is afraid to speak his mind and say controversial things. And he's got a history with Jimmy Kimmel. So I think you can contain McAfee to some degree. I don't know if you can with Rogers. And yeah, I think at some point they might have to make a decision of, you know, is this guy too risky and is he uh, too toxic within our own company? to to keep bringing him on. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It's a very difficult decision because ESPN is clear that it doesn't want 
uh, its people to talk about, you know, politics or political subjects. But you're right. You know, Rogers is a loose cannon who can't help himself. You know, he talks about COVID-19 vaccines and his darkness retreats and all his other nutty stuff. Uh, but I, I do want to make one last point here. I thought the New York Post did a great story uh, tracing this feud back over two years. And Rogers has taken a lot of crap from Kimmel. Kimmel has taken a lot of shots at him on the air, making fun of him physically, making fun of his his attitudes, his alleged lying. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Kimmel's being a little bit of a crybaby here. You know, if you can dish it out, you should be able to take it too. At the same time, I mean, you know, Rogers went to a place where he shouldn't, I mean, unless he has absolutely ironclad proof that he's on this list of pedophiles, you know, he never should have made that kind of stupid joke. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On that latter point. Uh, While we got you, let's hop over to our friend Tom Brady, who is next year ready to, or I guess this year now, is ready to begin next football season, ready to begin his record broadcast contract with with Fox, which will pay him more than he ever made as a player. Uh, what does this mean for Brady, and what does this mean for Greg Olson, who is looks like he's getting pushed out by Tom here? Hallelujah. You know, when Tom Brady took his gap year this year to prepare for the job, you know, there was a lot of questioning whether or not we'd ever see him in the booth. But here he is on his podcast saying he's preparing, he's getting ready to do his job. What I'm hearing is, at this point, Fox would be happy to get a year or two out of him. A year or two out of him would, you know, give them the headlines and the buzz and all the things. And then, you know, I don't see Tom Brady doing TV forever. I see him in the owner's box. They're already talking about him as being part owner of the Raiders. I mean, I see them doing this for a couple of years, you know, as a lark to see if he likes it. And then moving on uh, to NFL ownership. Uh, as for Olsen, I think the smart play is for Olsen to stay there. Yeah, he gets demoted to the number two job. But, you know, if you look at Tom Brady, I don't see him as a long-term uh, solution for Fox, which means Olsen could slide right back into the number one chair. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just an open question. I'm not no, no judgment on Brady, but we just we haven't seen him in the booth yet. So we don't know if he's good. He doesn't know if he's good. Fox doesn't know if he's going to be good at this job. It's a very unique skill set, um, which Olsen has shown he has. Brady, you know, he's got the big name. Um, he's certainly done a lot of media. Um, is, is he going to be a good color commentator? Like, obviously, he's got plenty going for him, but it's it just remains to be seen if he's going to be like a Tony Romo, a Troy Aikman, or any number of color commentators who we've now basically forgotten. Yeah, Olsen has not only proven he has the chops for the job, he's proven it on the biggest stage. He called the most watched Super Bowl of all time in February. Last season, he called the most watched regular season NFL game of all time. And you know what? He got A grades from everybody, including me, uh, for his performance at the Super Bowl. So, you know, he's already got, you know, a, a very, very firm grip on this job. But, you know, I'm sorry, Greg, if they're paying, you know, Tom Brady almost $40 million a year, they ain't putting him on the B crew, you know, in, in the B games. You know, he's not put, he's not going to be calling the Carolina Panthers. He's going to be calling that Fox NFL Sunday game at 420. Mike McCarthy, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. The NFL has fined Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper $300,000 for tossing a drink into the crowd from his booth at a Panthers game. That would be a lot of money for almost anyone, but Tepper is not almost anyone. Based on his estimated net worth of $20.6 billion, our friend Darren Ravel estimates that the six-digit fine is the equivalent of finding the average American $1.77. 
Tepper released a statement saying, I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. On the security part of that, it's unclear what he's talking about, if anything. If you watch the video of him tossing the drink, there doesn't seem to be anything going on with the fans in front of him, and he's not looking at them or interacting with them. It looks to me like he just threw his drink without any regard for where it was going. He already fired a coach this year, so he's limited in ways he can express his frustration. Panthers fans, I'm sure, can relate. They will likely have any number of moments when they, too, want to throw their drinks until Tepper sells the team. Barstool has indicated that it is likely done sponsoring bowl games for now. The media company has sponsored the Arizona Bowl for three seasons, including this one. But Barstool's Dan Katz, better known as Big Cat, said on X that, quote, was a lot of fun doing it, but unless the financials drastically change on doing it, that's probably it. Apex Marketing estimated that Pop-Tarts got over $12 million worth of brand exposure for its bowl game, especially the edible mascot, which I mocked on the show, and I think it's fair to say the edible mascot won this round. However, if you don't go viral, the financials of putting your name on one of 43 bowl games gets a lot more questionable, especially when many top players skip their bowl games because they don't want to risk injury before the NFL draft. To address that latter point, Bowl Season Executive Director Nick Carparelli said that he would like to see athletes get compensated for participating in bowl games. That might not change the calculus for projected top picks, but it would presumably move the needle for some athletes, and paying the talent that people are there to see is a good thing. We turn now to the world of darts, where yesterday Luke Humphreys defeated Luke Littler to win the World Darts Championship and $630,000. Littler has attracted attention because he reached the highest level in darts at the age of 16. Littler entered the event ranked 164th and proceeded to knock off players ranked 91st, 20th, 57th, 29th, 28th, and 8th before falling to Humphreys. Littler will take home $253,000 for his runner-up finish. Humphreys, at 28, is the youngest of the top-ranked players. The top 10 includes players in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Luke Littler appears to have a long career ahead of him as a phenom at a bar game five years before he can legally drink. Up next, the Denver Broncos have told Russell Wilson that he will be benched unless he restructures his contract. And as we covered yesterday, Jim Harbaugh may be looking to jump from Michigan to the NFL. Andrew Brandt has represented NFL teams and players and provided a lot of insight into both of those situations. We had a great conversation, and that is coming up next. I'm now joined by Andrew Brandt, Executive Director of the Morad Center for Sports Law at Villanova University, host of the Business of Sports podcast, and author of the Sunday 7 newsletter. Welcome, Andrew. Good to be with you, Owen. Happy 2024. Yeah, welcome to the new year. Um, And uh, let's start with someone who's maybe hoping for a better year, uh, that being Russell Wilson. So the Denver Broncos told him that he would be benched going forward unless he agreed to restructure his contract. The NFLPA has since said the team can't do that. That's illegal. Um, I want to get into your take here. But first, as someone who's been on negotiating on both sides of players and for teams, have you ever seen anything like this? You know, I I guess what I'm going to say is that I'm not as aghast as many about the fact the Broncos were trying to do this. Let's let's rewind a little bit. He does this major contract. So six months after the Broncos acquired him, which, again, a lot of people thought was going to be Aaron Rodgers, but they pivoted to Russell Wilson for a mass of picks and players. They give him this fancy new contract. New ownership does. And if you remember, he, like a lot of players, were trying to get the Deshaun Watson full guarantee. He didn't get that. But he did get three years of guaranteed money of the seven-year contract, 
with a possibility that the fourth year would be guaranteed. So now we're two years into the deal, basically. He's got a guarantee for year three that nothing can be done about that from the Broncos side. They're paying him in year three, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But he had a trigger for year four. So if he got to March of 2024, all he has to do is sort of get there, and then 2025 becomes guaranteed. What the Broncos were saying is, can we push that back to 25? Because we're going to pay you in 24. We just don't want to commit to 25 yet. And Russell Wilson says, why would I do that? Well, then there's the kicker. We always wondered in these situations, what's the or else? And the or else in this situation was, we're going to bench you. We're going to bench you. We're going to demote you from being the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos unless you do this. That's where you say the NFLPA got involved. His agent I know well, Mark Rogers, got lawyers involved. There were lawyers. But there are also lawyers, as people don't realize, on the NFL side. If the Broncos are going to do this, and I did some of these things, which were adverse requests to players over the years, I wanted to be sure that I was copacetic with the NFL. So my understanding is the NFL lawyers were behind this with the Broncos, not behind it, but basically saying, you can do this. So let's be clear. No money is going to be lost by Russell Wilson. He's paid full this year. He's paid full next year. The request was to release the liability for guaranteeing the following year until you got to the following year, as opposed to doing it in 2024. Now to your question, sorry for the long-winded answer. I had to do a few of these things. I never went to someone and, and threatened demotion. But I will say this, there are a lot of times you go to a player on an existing contract and it's not good news. You want them to move a date, which helps you. You want them to push a date back, which helps you. Or in several cases, you want them to take a pay cut, which helps you. Now there's the more middle of the road thing where you want a cap restructure, they get the same amount of money, you just push out the cap effect into future years. That's kind of middling. There's no real advantage either way. But yes, there's some adverse, uncomfortable requests that you have to make as a team negotiator, and this was one. But again, I'm looking at this from the Wilson side. It's, uh, it sounds like dirty business to threaten with a demotion, but no money lost, no money lost next year, simply a request to move something back the following year. And the last thing I'll say about this, I do want to get on the Broncos in terms of criticism because they didn't follow through. He, re- he refused this request, we're told, in the bye week, mid uh, end of October, early November, and then he played. <laughs> you know, and Then he was starting quarterback another seven weeks until now he's being demoted. So if I was looking at this at the Broncos, I'm saying, well, wait a minute. If you're going to do that, you better do it because now you've also, you've lost, you've gotten a reputation as doing something like this and you've lost credibility. You've lost credibility with Wilson, his agent, and with other players and agents because you're saying we're threatening, but we're not going through with it until seven weeks later. So again, when I went to a player with a pay cut request, I had to be prepared if he said no to cut him. Because if he didn't say no, if he did say no, and I said, oh, my bad, let's keep going, then I lose credibility. 
And so it's a whole game that agents and teams play throughout the year. If you're the Broncos, how would you would you have waited till the end of the season? How should they have played this differently? Well, I think to do that in the middle of the season, they had to know that it was going to cause a negative reaction. Now, again, no one knows why they didn't bench him when they said they were going to and didn't happen until now. But I think this was a, a feeling in the middle of the season. October 30th, 1st was the bye week. We're not moving on with Russell Wilson. We're not moving into 2024. Forget about 25, 24 with Russell Wilson. Now, I said before, this was a seven-year deal. He had two years left. They added five years and three years guaranteed. So they made a decision, and I'm sure ownership was involved, that we're going to pay off Russell Wilson in 2024, that $39 million he's owed, and hope another team jumps in because they has an offset guarantee. So every if he makes $10 million from another team, they don't have to pay $10 million of the $39 million. But that had to be the decision. Like early on in the season or mid-season, they decided he's not our future. Because when you make that request, you're going to have repercussions. And I've had Mark Rogers, the agent on my podcast, and he's basically said before this was at the negotiation a year and a half ago, like they're tough negotiators. This was a new Walmart ownership and they were tough negotiators then as they are now. So they're playing business is cold and they know that from their Walmart days and they're doing it here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just because you mentioned the Watson contract, given all the picks and all the money and everything else that's gone into it, if you had to take either which which of those contracts would you, I guess, prefer to have um, if you were running an NFL team, which is the, the lesser uh, albatross? Well, it's got to be... I'd say the bigger albatross is still Watson. It is the standard in the NFL. And I watched as keenly as anyone over the next six, eight, 12, now 18 months, whether there would have any precedential value to that contract. And then you had Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. No one got that deal. Now they all got big money as we talk about with Russell, but they didn't get the fully secured five years. This was the chance. This was the chance. Everyone asked me, why don't NFL players have deals like NBA or Major League Baseball players? This was the chance. And Russell Wilson had just been traded for four high draft picks and three players. If there was an ever a time to use that leverage, he did, but he couldn't get it. And I think owners, not collusion because it was never proved, but decided we are not going to be like Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Broncos, I'm sorry, the Browns, and fully guarantee these deals because you see what could happen. They could break the seal. A few elite quarterbacks get it. Then next year, a few elite receivers, a few elite defensive linemen, and on and on and on. And it becomes like baseball and basketball. Of course, that didn't happen. Now, the Broncos are on the hook for three years, one of which he won't be there next year. They're not going to be on the hook that fourth year because they're going to cut them before that becomes due, as we talked about with the trigger. But let's be clear, the Deshaun Watson contract is now, we can say 18 months later, an aberration, which is bad for NFL players, good for NFL teams. And that's why it's still the biggest albatross out there. 
Um, let's just briefly hop over to college football before we let you go. So we've already hit on this one on the show, but uh, Jim Harbaugh may, as he's preparing for the college football final, may have one foot out the door. He just hired uh, this agent Yee, who is, you know, an NFL agent. Um, and I'm just curious about your take on this college football season and, and perhaps on Harbaugh's, foot, uh, Harbaugh's future. I mean, college football, you know, when I worked at ESPN, it was always the big six and college football was right up there with the NFL before you even get to the NBA, Major League Baseball. This and hockey, this is something that continues to amaze me that it's just has so much reach and college football fans are so passionate that it just becomes this story in itself. The, the Jim Harbaugh sagas that's been going on all year with Connor Stallion and the cheating and then deferring and getting going to fight the Big Ten suspension. Then he submits to the Big Ten suspension after threatening to walk in and do a few good men in court. Um, <laughs> he tends to be a lightning rod, and I think that's good for college football. It's certainly good for Michigan football. And that's where we are right now. I think it's fascinating he hired another agent. Jim Harbaugh reminds me of star players that go through agents every two years. He's had several agents like a lot of the names you see representing the bigger players in the NFL have represented Jim Harbaugh. And now he turns to Don Yee, who, of course, has represented Tom Brady all these years, Sean Payton, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of star players as well. So we'll see what this means. This comes amid rumors of a hundred plus million offer to Jim Harbaugh uh, if he stops looking around the NFL after this year or something like that. I think there'll be interest from the NFL. Again, he's someone that people see as a stern leader, but also a draw. You know, he is he is box office, Jim Harbaugh. Um, so I think there'll be interest on both sides, which will only drive up his price if he chooses to stay at Michigan. It does kind of seem like he's got one foot out the door, but even if he, he wants to stay, like this is just hiring Don Yee is, is going to make Michigan that much more nervous and, you know, willing to throw him however many more millions of dollars. So why not, really? Um, Andrew Brandt, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure, Owen. That's it for today. Rate and review us wherever you're tuning in or just tell a friend about the show. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.